Good evening. My name is Mike Murley, and welcome to WPKN's Mic Check, coming to you on WPKN every Sunday at 5.30 p.m. Welcome to everyone listening at 89.5 FM on your radio dial. Welcome to everyone streaming live or tuning into our podcast at WPKN.org. Each week on Mic Check, one of our hosts examines global, national, and regional issues and their effect on our local community. Just as the phrase Mic Check was used to mobilize people to create a human microphone during the Occupy movement and others, and of course, we're now coming up on the 10-year the anniversary of Occupy Wall Street. Uh, this weekly program seeks to amplify our community's many voices and bring them to the airwaves. Mic Check is followed right here on WPKN at 6 p.m. by another public affairs program, the Ralph Nader Radio Hour. Thank you so much for tuning in and thank you for, for joining us tonight right here on WPKN. Um, my name is Mike Murley. I host every third and fifth Sunday of this program, Mike Check, which is on every week. And I am so excited for tonight's program. I'm joined tonight um, by Max Cisneros of Connecticut Familia Trans Queer Liberation Movement. Max, welcome to Mike Check. Thanks so much, Mike. I really appreciate this opportunity. Um, it means a lot. And uh, I'm, not, I'm not sure if I'm if I'm uh, if I'm intimidated by the fact that it's uh, that I'm doing this with you, because <laughs> you know you and I have known each other for a while, um, not intimidated so much. It's really it's really honored, or or the fact that we're warming up for Ralph Nader here, um, who I also really admire. So uh, and the fact that the show is called Mic Check, you know, something that something I'm very aware of having been in Occupy, uh, Boston and Occupy Wall Street. So so I got a lot of things going on, and I just wanted to say thank you so much for this opportunity, Mike. Yeah, we've known each other for for a while, and and I'm embarrassed that this is the first time we've actually done this and and had a conversation on the air like this, and and also, thank you for for um, reminding me that you you are involved with so many things, and you know, and and that's why I wish this show were longer than just thirty minutes. <laughs> I wish we could get into so many things, um, but we will, we will, we will still get into so oh, many yeah. things. There'll be there'll be there'll be no lack of social economic injustice so <laughs> you and i you and i have got a long a lot of work to do into the future but even though it's just a half hour you know what it's so awesome that we at least have this space to be able to like unpackage and examine these things that sometimes can be somewhat difficult but you know what it's also not surprising considering that you know you're involved in things and that's how we got to know each other and i'm involved so we're like you know we're folks that are doing this work and so for us to get together it means a lot to be able to exchange ideas and thoughts like this Absolutely. And your work has inspired me for such a long time. Mm -hmm. And, you know, of course, like you said, we, you know, we, we met several years ago when we were both working for homeless service organizations here in Fairfield County. Right. And I remember, you know, at that time, kind of the, just realizing, having this realization of, um, you know, and I don't want to use the term intersectionality, like, carelessly, but, um, mm -hmm. but just kind of be, becoming more conscious of, the the intersections of various struggles and and um yeah like how all, how how so many issues are connected and in so many ways and so right um but all that being said i'm so glad we're we're able to have this conversation right now and and um let's get right into it yeah. so um so i know that you are one one um one organization 
that you're involved in and that you are spearheading in many ways right here in Connecticut and organizing with is Connecticut Familia, Trans Queer Liberation Movement, which is a, which I know is part of a, a national movement um, or organization known as Familia. And so could you start off, Max, by giving you know a bit of background about Familia um, and then getting into the, the the local work here in Connecticut? Oh yeah, right. Uh, there's 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 a lot of rich history here, and and to give a to give a basic answer, what Connecticut family is, we're we're basically a, a you know group of folks, um, you know uh, folks of color, undocumented folks, underdocumented folks, um, trans folks who are who work at local and national levels to achieve you know collective liberation of trans, queer, and gender nonconforming Latinx folks throughout. Uh, to building community, organizing, you know, advocacy and education, but um, but to you know, to give you a little bit more, um, you know, beyond that, I think that it was really useful for me having cut my teeth in organizing and in uh, in service provider work, which are the you know the the, uh, the spaces that you and I kind of like got to know each other, um, because it was really an aid services organization work that I got my start. Me myself being someone who, at the time, was underdocumented, somebody who openly identifies as HIV positive, and uh, spoke Spanish, and I worked in this space and began to see the ways in which, you know, communities were falling through the cracks, and so um, and so that's how I got my start, uh, and so translating information about PrEP, pre-exposure prophylaxis, um, for some of the most hardest hit communities. Uh, PrEP being the pill, Truvada, the pill that you take to prevent from getting, you know, infected, providing a little bit of a little bit of a, you know, education here. But um, I noticed that this stuff wasn't translated. You know, I noticed that support groups for folks who are HIV positive were not there in Spanish. Um, and and I began to do this work, translating newsletters, um, campaigns to inform folks about the cure regarding hep C. And so as I was kind of like piecing these things together, filling in the cracks and stuff, I began to notice that undocumented folks who are queer did not have a space. And, and, and this, this began to be, this, uh, this concern began to really become amplified when I worked at, um, at, a, at a local shelter here in Norwalk. I worked at a shelter and I noticed that undocumented queer folks are dealing with a very specific sort of double discrimination. What do I mean by that? By double discrimination, I mean like there are immigrant rights groups, immigrant, uh, you know, immigrant uh, rights groups for folks who are undocumented, and they fight hard for those communities. However, they don't always provide the safest of spaces for folks who are queer and undocumented. I noticed that. And so, so there's, that one, there's that one piece of this, that, that discrimination. And the other piece of that is, in queer, uh, you know, queer-led led spaces, at least around Fairfield County, New Haven County, the ones that I'm aware of, I noticed that there wasn't much uh, drive. Um, part of the reason why I think that there is this, there's more of a concern about it now, but at the time, there wasn't a drive to provide a safe space for undocumented or, should we say, folks who don't speak, you know, the language there kind of can be somewhat, dare I say, white-centered spaces and the queer spaces. So, so there's this double discrimination, right? Queer, unda queer undocumented folks, LGBTQ undocumented folks did not have a space. And 
Familia Trans Queer Liberation Movement on the national level was advocating for these folks, was specifically advocating to end trans detention. End trans detention is a campaign that started earlier in the decade and earlier last decade. Wow. And and really came out of the idea that, you know, if you really focus on the most marginalized, the most oppressed, the most exploited, the most criminalized uh, folks in the in the in the immigration population, having to deal with immigration, having to deal with you know, all the barriers and, and dehumanizing you know, ways that the state treats our communities, the trans folks are the most murdered, most criminalized, most um, just most hurt by these by these policies. And so end trans detention is about centering those experiences, experiences like Victoria, Are- Victoria Arellano, who died in 1990. Sorry, 1990, sorry, 2007. I'm dating myself a little bit here. But she died in 2007 an HIV-positive woman fleeing persecution and always had a smile on his face, from what I understand. She was so helpful to other inmates, um, other detainees in there, that when she got really sick and wasn't getting her HIV treatment, they started organizing and organizing to make sure that she was, you know, taken to the hospital where she ended up dying chained to a bed. She died in 2007. Victoria Arellano is a lot of the reason why this work was uh, Victoria Arellano was really sparked. And then Roxana Hernandez passed away, a uh, um, Honduran trans woman, gender nonconforming, and also um, had her has her family. She didn't flee persecution so much. She had her own salon in Honduras. She just wanted to provide more for her family. And so she came up here for what you would expect, the American dream, right? And what she found was a death in ICE detention. And she passed away in 2018. And then 2019, we know about Joanna Medina. So these three, these three, you know, um, tragic stories, Victoria Arellano, you know, Roxana Hernandez, Joanna Medina from Guatemala, these, these, these tragic stories are not isolated incidents, unfortunately. We know because of these stories that ICE do, does not have the capability. Immigration and Customs Enforcement do not have the capacity to take care of our communities. And then you throw a pandemic into the mix. You can only imagine the kind of horror that, that's going on in there. So a lot of folks do talk about, you know, kids in cages, and I think that's appropriate to do. They're, they're, they aren't right necessary. But I also think that, that uh, there are other communities that are really fighting hard for the rights of their own, you know, uh, their own communities in particular. And so when I'm talking about LGBTQ rights in in the context of immigrant rights, immigration rights, um, I think it's really important to also state that there's a huge there's there's a there there is some serious history here of these two intersectional uh, you know uh, populations, ways that folks suffer are very connected. Maybe a lot of people don't remember that in the 1960s, homosexuals were banned from entering the country. And that happened again in, in the 80s during the dark days of, of, the, um, of the AIDS epidemic uh, in the late 80s. And so, and so there is a clear connection here between immigration and LGBTQ rights. Some of the f- uh, hardest, um, some of the, some of the uh, most fiercest fighters in this fight for immigration rights um, happen to be LGBTQ a lot of the time. And, and there's a mantra that was like in 2006 during the strikes, and it moved on into what we now know as the program DACA. DACA could really not have been possible without the fervor of 
the LGBTQ immigrant rights groups, what you, the mantra was undocumented and unafraid. These undocumented, unafraid youth, they made it to Washington and demanded something, demanded dignity, demanded that this is my home and I plan to stay here and please provide me a path to citizenship to stay in the only home that I have known. And out of that came DACA. That's the LGBTQ youth that did that, really. And there's a history of that even out here in New Haven, even out here in Connecticut, in Hartford. There's a history of that. And so, and so all this is to say that Connecticut Familia is a space that, that I've been trying to find and then help build, support to build, for undocumented queer folks so they don't become traumatized, so they don't uh, feel like they don't have a space and not just have the space, but actually like direct it, operate it, you know, um, and, and, and build it. And so that's a short story long on that one. <laughs> but, you know, I, I think these contexts, th this context piece is important to understand how we got here and what's possible moving forward. Thank you so much for that, for all that, everything you just said, Max. The, 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 all the context, the history that you just named, and and especially thank you for lifting up the horrific um, circumstances and and deaths of uh, Victoria, Roxana, and Joanna. Um, yeah. Rest in power to the three Absolutely. of them. Um, it, if you're just joining us, my name is Mike Murley, and the name of this program is Mike Check here on WPKN 89.5 FM in Bridgeport and streaming on the web at WPKN.org. I'm in conversation right now with Max Cisneros, uh, an organizer with Connecticut Familia, Trans Queer Liberation Movement. And thank you so much for that important background, Max. And that was just a wealth of information and and just... I mean, so much devastating stuff that you just shared, but also there's hope in that. And there's hope in, in, like you said, the fact that there are folks leading this work and that have, that have been doing this work. Um, and I'm really glad that you named that it was LGBTQ youth that, that, you know, led the, led the way, um, and, and have been at the forefront of the immigrant rights struggle and these movements. And so could you dig a little bit deeper um, for right now as far as um, the local work and within Connecticut Familia, um, some specific projects that that you've um, that you all have had uh, going on here in Connecticut? Yeah, yeah, I'd be happy to. Um, I think that uh, a little bit a little bit more about what I mentioned earlier about how there is a lack of space for folks who are both undocumented and LGBTQ. And so I think what we're doing now, what we're trying to do is pretty much try to provide a, both, a, you know, like a, a structure of referrals, you know, like a basic, where do we go to get this need met for this person here? Where do we go for this need for this? So there's two things that we're basically trying to do right now in this space. And that's one of them is let the, let the community know we're here that this is, this is a space for them. If you are LGBTQ, if you are Latinx, if you are undocumented, this space is here for you to find the needs that you, uh, that, that you have to get them met. And also, this is a space for you to also have a seat at the table, 
how, what, what, what would you like to see happen in this community? How would you like to see ourselves be further empowered, further, uh, you know, further affirmed and, and grow and grow together? And so, so right now, these are the two, uh, the two projects that we got working on, letting the community know we're here. And also when we connect with them, also see about the ways of how we can get their needs met, be it uh, hormone therapy, be it immigration asylum support uh, support work uh you know be it uh basically just accompanying you to a court date you know uh be it medical needs you know whether it is you know whether you need insurance covered or whether you need just help translating a job application you know these are the things that very basic everyday things but um but they could provide they, they could be huge barriers you know to the community um and and also, you know, we, we, we also, on top of that, are also understanding that there are folks who are doing this work in the state of Connecticut. You know, we're not, we can't be the only ones who are looking at these spaces going, there's a lack of, there's a lack of affirmation for queer Latinx and documented folks here. We cannot be the only ones saying this. And as we're, as we're kind of like traveling around the state, different counties, and we're realizing folks are doing the work. They're doing the work in their own municipalities, in their own counties, you know, in their own networks of service providers, but there's not much in the way of connecting with other parts of the state. You know, I grew up in Stanford, a little bit of history of Connecticut. I grew up in Stanford and I work here in Norwalk. Sorry, I grew up in Stanford, live in Norwalk, uh, still Fairfield County, but now I, I work in places around New Haven. And so I'm realizing, you know, just how disconnected these, these, these counties, these communities, these populations are. Um, and, and so it really does feel like we're bridging gulfs whenever we're like going to when a couple of uh, familiar, uh, you know, Connecticut familiar folks are going out, let's say to New London to a uh, pride flag raising. We'll go out there and we'll show face and we'll, we'll connect with folks. And we realize, whoa, you're doing a lot of the same things we're doing. We should get together, <laughs> you know, and, and, and we're just having those moments, wash, rinse, repeat, wash, rinse, repeat, wash. And it's just so affirming. So you're absolutely right. There is hope because we're noticing Wow, you're doing this over there with all the barriers, with all the with you know, with all the difficulties that you're finding, you're still getting it done, and it's inspiring. And so it really does lift our spirits up to know that you know that we're not the only ones, right? And also, it helps me think about the future to envision a future where it shouldn't be so difficult for these folks doing this work. It shouldn't be so difficult for us. It always ends up seeming that it's the folks who end up having it the hardest, have to do the most work for our communities. For example, I'm, I'm not going to name names, but I will mention in Connecticut Familia, there's me, right? Some, some of them, there's me, somebody who's an HIV positive person who worked in these places um, and, and are, is aware of uh, the different ways in which folks are, you know, marginalized and criminalized and so forth. And, and another entity in Connecticut Familia is a human rights defender who fled Bolivia during during the coup that happened down there a few years back a, a trans woman human rights defender who basically led policy changes in her home country had to flee that country with her family and landed here and she and and, and they are now and they are now very much part of the decision making process in Connecticut familia another one is a uh, you know, peruvian trans man who's currently working in Mohegan Sun but is a political science major. So uh, a political science major who got their degree from a Catholic university in Lima, Peru. 
and they had to leave and flee because Peru is one of the most conservative countries in Latin America. They had to leave that country, and now they're here. And and so this is what I'm trying to do is paint a picture of there's so much capacity in this community. There's just so much abilities in this community. If only folks give them the tools, if only they're given the platform. And Familia Trans Queer, Queer Liberation Movement on the national level gave these folks the keys to build this place here. It's amazing to be witnessing the kind of movement making that these folks are doing. It's just, I'm always in awe. I'm just always in awe. So you're absolutely right about the point you make regarding, you know, there's a lot of hopeful things that are happening. Amazing people are doing amazing things despite amazing barriers. And I'm not just talking about Connecticut, in the country, really in other parts of the country too. So that's one of the things that, that's another part of the projects that we're trying to do we're trying to provide a message to potential immigrants in their home countries to let them know what the conditions are like here. I think that there is this misconception for a lot of folks, a lot of LGBTQ folks in their home countries that are having a very difficult time, very difficult time, and considering coming up here. I think it's important for them to know how harsh the conditions are here, really, because I think that there's this idea that they come here and the streets are paved with gold and the American dream and everyone's going to accept me. And they may not even understand the concept, not understand, but they may not necessarily appreciate the concept of that double discrimination that I talked about earlier. Right. And so that's another project that we got going on, um, informing folks throughout the countries from our from our, you know, from our little space over here in Connecticut, in New England, to inform the folks throughout all the other countries in Latin America and let them know in our language, in our way to let them know, here's here's what's to expect. You still want to do this. We're going to support you. We're going to celebrate you. We're going to do what we can, but we feel like you need to be seriously informed about, about this journey. And so, and so that's, part, that's one part of the project. Another part of it is to celebrate the things that got going on down there. Like I said, amazing people are doing amazing things where they are. And, and, and so we're noticing things that are happening in Peru. We're noticing things that are happening in Bolivia in Colombia, in Honduras, you know, uh, trans folks that are standing up for their own communities, running for office, creating community centers totally on their own. These are things that governments ought to be doing. These are things that municipalities ought to be doing. These are things that should already should already be ready and available for folks to reach out to, but they're not. So we have to build them. And they're building them. And we're connecting with them. And 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 so... And so, yes, there's a lot of reasons to be very hopeful. Of course, there's a lot of tragedy and pain, right? But I think it's important to also amplify the Latinx joy. The undocumented life has so many difficulties to it. And to tap into the joy can be very hard. And so that's what we really tried to do at Connecticut Family. We emphasize joy because what we call gozar, you know, just enjoyment, gozar la vida. Enjoy life because we are here. We're here together. Some of the happiest moments. In the last few years of my life, I've been getting together with my Connecticut family and getting things done. And we're just, we're just having fun and going out and enjoying ourselves, you know, and, and that's just so important to us. So, so yes, uh, again, <laughs> the point you make about hopefulness exists there. In many cases, sometimes you have to dig, but you will find it. And that goal, that goal that you find after digging is, is what keeps us, keeps us going. And it's, uh, it's pretty amazing to witness and see. Well, for me as an outsider, like looking in to, to, you know, the struggles you're describing, that's what I was seeing was, was for me, hope in, in, 
I mean, because it all feels so bleak and it all feels, but, and I'm not even, right. I'm not even, you know, directly impacted. I'm not even directly affected by the, the, the struggles that you're naming and the, and mm. the, the tragedies and the oppression and injustice that you're naming. And so for me right. on the outside looking in, I am endlessly inspired by the work that you all are doing, um, Connecticut Familia and Familia National all around the country. Right. Um, and I was blown away earlier when I was, um, doing some research and reminded about how Genesis Gutierrez, uh, you know, interrupted President Obama's speech right. at this mm-hmm. at, at the at the White House in I think it was 2015, and to 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 specifically say, you know, stop deporting um, trans folks, stop right. you know, release all queer and trans uh, prisoners out of um, detention centers, yeah. and you know that that idea that it's not. You know, it's not you know not settling and not being complacent and and not settling for whether it's whether whether we want to call it neoliberal policies or or right. sort of breadcrumbs or scraps. You know, you know, like you said, what you're talking about is 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 you know not even necessarily like asking for a seat at the table. You're you're talking about building building a new table. You know, or right. or or right. you know mm-hmm. like yeah, like building a whole new table and saying like because the table that exists is in English only. Yeah, right. And it's in English and, only. Yep. Mm-hmm. It's it's uh, cisgender led for the most part, and in many cases, it's you know folks who may not necessarily appreciate an abolitionist message, and and so yes, we build our own table because we keep each other safe, because we're trying to find ways in which uh, and and pull down barriers that prevent us from keeping each other safe. So yes, what you're saying is right up the alley of what we're working on. Yeah, and it's not surprising that you empathize with it because you're you're very sweet. <laughs> you're very sweet and very empathetic. One of the most empathetic folks I know in these spaces that can be very bleak. You're absolutely right. And thank you for mentioning uh, what Johnny Set Gutierrez went through. One of her mantras is "My existence is resistance," and and I think that's so important to think about because you know that was that was an LGBTQ plus celebration. One of the messages that she was providing for the folks in that room, which included on the stage, not just former President Obama, but current President uh, uh, Biden, then vice president, was right next to was right next to then President Obama, you know, almost laughing off the fact that, you know, Obama's going on about how, oh, you know, if you're going to be invited to my home in my home, you're going to eat the hors d'oeuvres, you're going to have the booze, you know, you shouldn't interrupt people. That's not something you should do. You know, shame on you. That's what the president, that's what President Obama said to Janice Gutierrez, who's standing up for queer folks at an LGBTQ plus celebration. You know, he, he, he kicked out a trans woman of color at an LGBTQ plus celebration. So that's, that's what happened in 2015. Fast forward to today. What's going on now? What's going on now? Well, right now, um, I know that there is a huge reconciliation package that's going to be debated. It's going to be a hot topic for a long time. And I can't express details about that yet because I have to go over it myself. But what I can tell you is that during during his campaign, President Biden said that the three million that were deported and to this day, uh, you know, President Obama, former President Obama deported more folks um, than President Trump did, really. In fact, I would go even go further with some more details and let you know that President uh, President uh, Biden deported more Haitians and Jamaicans in the first couple of months of his presidency than Biden did in his entire last year, just to give you a bit of context there. But also, he also said, President Candidate Biden said that the three million that were deported under his boss's reign, under Obama's, you know, 
administration was a mistake, a terrible mistake, he called it, right? Maybe not terrible, but he called it a mistake. But he continues this. He's continuing this. And a lot of the promise that he made, that he made uh, during the campaign, have not been, have not been achieved. Hey, Max? We've gotten very language changes here and there. Sorry. Uh, th- no, no. Thank you so much for naming that. Um, real quick, uh, we got like 10 seconds. Um, oh, wow. How can our listeners learn more and support the work that you're doing with Connecticut oh, Familia? Absolutely. So uh, ctfamilia.org is a good place to start as far as local lo- local work that are going around. We have a Facebook page, Connecticut Family 